Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Chapter 2 this morning, verses 1 through 10. So I'm going to ask you to stand and honor the Lord in the reading of His Word with me, please. Verse 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespass, and I'll be reading from the ESV, by the way. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Amen. Amen. Uh, You may be seated. The Lord be blessed in the reading of his word. My favorite genre of, mu- of uh, movies is superhero movies. I, hap- uh, uh, I happen to love superhero movies. That might not be your favorite kind, but uh, uh, I-, I know somebody likes some superheroes. Amen? Amen. Amen. There you go. There you go. There's the crowd. But anyway, I love superhero movies. I love the action. I love the suspense. I love the twists and turns. But when you get down to it, every superhero movie has the same plot. The details change, but it's the same plot. They, first, there's someone with great abilities, and the people that's under their care are put into a desperate situation. And then the superheroes come in contact with a diabolical, dastardly villain. The villain seems to have the superhero defeated for good. The, super, the superhero then uh, overcomes uh, an impossible situation. And then, okay, (laughs) the superhero steps in and saves those under his or her care. Uh, And you may see your favorite right there. I surprised you, didn't I? Um, But whoever your favorite superhero is, actually my favorite in growing up, I guess it wasn't growing up, I was about 20 years old when I really got into this guy. (laughs) But he was a cartoon named Mighty Mouse. Remember Mighty Mouse, anybody? Yeah. And you know why I like Mighty Mouse? Because not only would he tear up the villain, he would sing opera to him while he was doing it, man. He would sing. And my favorite is when he came in, he would say, here I come to save the day. I mean, who does that, right? I am so impressed with that. It's like, I'm on his side. I love that. And the reason I brought up Mighty Mouse and any superheroes is because it is just a picture of what our Lord in real life and for real power has done in our lives. 
God, through Jesus Christ, stepped into our hopeless situation. And uh, the reason I like Mighty Mouse is you got to be pretty calm and confident to sing while you're beating a dude's butt. You know what I'm saying? you got to be confident. And who's more confident in real life than our Lord Jesus Christ? You see, he had great abilities, obviously, more than superhero. He's uh, supernatural abilities. Uh, people, the, the creation's put into a desperate situation. He came into a diabolical, dastardly villain named Satan. Say, uh, Satan seemed to think he had him defeated for good. Jesus overcame a, a real impossible situation only to save all those, to step in and save all those under his care, uh, whosoever will. So praise God, we thank the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done. And we want to turn to this passage in Ephesians and look at it under that, uh, the, and under that backdrop. Now this is the book of Ephesians. And uh, it starts off with, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, the Ephesians, real quick, were, um, uh, Paul wrote this book around 60 AD or so, about 30 or so years after Jesus was ascended, 25, 30 years, something like that. And he wrote it to a group. This church, uh, Paul was there for over two years. And as he preached to them every day in the scripture said, uh, they had a lot of trouble in there. They had big riots and all kinds of things going on, but ultimately, a faithful church came into existence through Paul's ministry. And it even says in verse 1 in chapter 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So this is the group he's talking to. And primarily he's talking about the body of Christ to this group of believers. But he talks to them and teaching them about the body of Christ. He says, let me remind you of where you came. Now, when I was in church growing up, some of y'all might know this, some of you might not, but they used to have a saying, boy, they would say, he brought me from a mighty long way. <laughs> Anybody remember that? A couple of y'all do. Yeah, I know most of y'all don't, but uh, we know what they're talking about. He brought me from a mighty long way. But if you never even heard that, he brought you from a mighty long way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, all right. Are you with me? Anyway, so first of all, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. This is where he brought us from. Now, being dead in, this, uh, in Scripture always means separation. It doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. Something is separated. When the body dies, the spirit is separated from the body. In this context, our spirit, and, and he relates this to the Ephesians, but it, it's really about all of us. Our spirit was separated from God's spirit. We had no communication. In the same way that if we prop up a dead person here and we put a stake under his nose, he's not going to get excited about it, okay? He cannot relate to the physical world if his his child or his wife comes and holds his hand, he's not going to get excited about that because he's dead. His, he's separated. He's not able to communicate with the physical world. In the same way, we were not able to communicate in the spiritual realm with God. His spirit, we were dead in that sense. Now, trespasses and sins. Trespasses is just, and, and there's two ways of saying we're missing God's mark. Walking past, you trespass on something, you go somewhere you're not supposed to go. You go beyond where the law was ever supposed to be. Sin is missing God's mark. You're aiming for a target, and you straight miss it. In every way, they're dead, and we were dead as well. So characteristics of these dead people, first of all, we followed our fleshly desires. Now, I'm going to read these in backwards order for a purpose here, because I'm going to go from the inside out. First of all, in verse 3, we followed our fleshly desires. We lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. So what we did when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and what is being done is whatever we wanted to do. 
Whatever we were prompted to do in our physical, we did. And we were okay with it. We felt it was good. Not only did we follow the passions of our flesh, secondly, we followed the devil. All right? Um, we followed the devil, and um, let me pull this up here so I know what time we're, we're, we're working with. We followed the devil, and uh, in verse 2, he says, following the prince of the power of the air. Now, Jesus in the book of John calls Satan the prince of this world, the prince of this world. His time is coming, and that's who he's talking about. The prince of the power of the air is Satan, who is the head of the principalities that he talks about later on in Ephesians in chapter 6. The head of him, we followed after his ways. He blinded our minds and deceived us into believing that the God we designed in our own minds was okay with the promptings of our flesh. In other words, what we would do, we create a God in our own mind, and Satan is behind that and says, what you're doing, your God's cool with that. God is cool with that. That's what Satan's main job is, is to deceive and to blind the minds. So not only did we follow the fleshly desires, we followed hard after Satan. Thirdly, we uh, followed after the world. We followed after the world. It says in verse 2 there, following after the course of this world. Following the course of this world. The pattern of this world is what we followed. This is where we were. This is where the Ephesians were, following after. And the world, I heard the world system uh, explain this way, and I really like this. What the world system is, is when the flesh and Satan come together, and the product is the world system. That's what happens. When the flesh gets together with Satan, you have the world system. And what the world system does is they have devised a system that is fueled by Satan's deceptions, and it appeals to our fleshly desires. That's what it is. He says in the book of James, no man sins except when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's all. What's within at first, and then it's without. And what's without appeals to what's within. So that's where we were, walking First of all, after our flesh, then after the devil, and after the world, all three of our enemies. And furthermore, we, our fellowship was with the world. He says here, uh, the spirit that is now at work at the sons, in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived. Our fellowship was with the sons of disobedience because, frank, quite frankly, we were the sons and daughters of disobedience. Amen. All right, the sons and daughters of disobedience. Either we're, he, he says in, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus uh, constantly says, your father, the devil. He tells the, the Pharisees, your father, the devil. Either our father was the, the devil, and we were sons of disobedience, or we're sons of God, as our father is God. So there we have it. That's where we were. We surrounded ourselves with like-minded people who reinforced our beliefs and our practices. Now, there is a warning here, too. It's not directly here in Scripture, but it, it is there. or It's in Scripture, but it's not right in this passage. But I do want to bring out that uh, this can be a real problem for believers because when we uh, fail to renew our minds, like it says in Romans chapter 12, and when we fail to come together uh, with the body of Christ, as it says in Hebrews 10, to we forsake the assembling one another, we become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, we can revert to living Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 all over again, and it's just we're duped in our minds based on our passions that we begin to live and follow again after the flesh, 
the, the, the devil and the world, even though we're believers. So there is a very real warning. And I want to point out that the, the Ephesians, the ones he's talking to, just about 30, 35 years after this was written, the, uh, the Lord Jesus came to John and he said, write these words down to the church of Ephesus. And in chapter 2 in Revelation, he says to them that um, I hold this against you, church of Ephesus, that you have forsaken your first love. You've left your first love. Now, think about 35 years. Some of you have been in this church for over 35 years. People that heard Paul speak, people that read this letter, were still there when John wrote those words. And they had already sunk to forsaking their first love. Beware, church of God, because this could be us. He, Paul told them in Ephesians, when he, in Acts, when he left Ephesus, he had been there for almost three years, and he told them, he said, now I know when I leave, there are going to be savage wolves coming in. And beware, church, never think that we're above savage wolves coming in. And how do we do that? We continue to renew our minds. We continue to not forsake the assembling of ourselves one with another. We stay rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. So consequences uh, of being dead. Um, being dead here, uh, again, means separated from God's spirit. We were kept uh, blind. We were kept in darkness by the devil. Uh, in verse 2, again, in, chapter, in verse 2 it says, The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That spirit is from the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. And this spirit, Satan, his goal is to blind the minds of unbelievers. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That is one of his main purposes, Satan. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And how he does that is he keeps the minds of unbelievers blinded so that they cannot see the gospel. And that's what it says right here, that we were, uh, the Spirit's work was at work in us, in those who do not believe. Secondly, we were destined for wrath. Our destiny was uh, going right after um, the wrath of God. It said, um, we were by nature, in verse 3, we were by nature children of wrath. We're sons of disobedience, we are children of wrath, is, who, is where we came from. And let us not ever forget that. That's why he's talking to Ephesians. That's why we're talking today. Lest we not forget that for the wrath of God is revealed, it says in Romans 1, 8, against, uh, against all godliness. It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of the body and mind, uh, excuse me, of men who were by their unrighteousness suppressing the truth. So that is Satan's goal is to blind us and lead us right into destruction. And then, my brothers and sisters, my favorite two words. After the deepest, darkest night, the worst time, heading for destruction, my favorite two words in Scripture, but God. But God. The whole thing, that sums it all up. But God. So uh, in, uh, God stepped in, and he showed mercy. Hallelujah for God. Amen. He showed mercy in, um, in uh, richness in mercy. He showed great love and richness of his graces. And I wanted to talk about that mercy. First of all, 
the reason we have the mercy, it says right here, be, uh, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He loved us so much that he had mercy upon us. I don't think you're excited about the mercy. <laughs> you're just cool with it. It's just like, yeah, well, yeah, maybe I deserved it. No, we did not. The whole idea of mercy is God or someone who's showing mercy withholds punishment that is due the crime, the sin, the, the offense, whatever it is that we've committed, the just due is withheld. And that's what mercy is. He has withheld the punishment that's due us. Because of our sin, we should have been consumed by the fires of hell after the very first sin. And every sin thereafter, we, should, we, we, we receive mercy every time we sin. He says um, over in um, Lamentations chapter 3, and this is in the NIV version, this one, because of the Lord's great love, there it is again, because of his love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. And that them compassions is synonymous with his mercy. He has compassion and mercy on us, and it never fails. They are new. Those compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, praise God for his mercy. His mercy upon us. Do we not realize how merciful our God is? Every day we commit enough sin that we should not wake up the next morning. Every morning when we wake up, we are um, the recipient of God's grace. They are new every morning. In fact, we shouldn't even get to tomorrow morning. Just when I'm driving in traffic, when I'm even thinking about the guy, I'm not even saying it. I'm not even showing it, if you know what I mean. I'm just thinking it is enough to be consumed in the fires of hell. When my wife says something and I'm thinking it, I... Ooh, ooh. Yeah, and all God's wives said amen. Everybody's husband deserves the fires of hell, amen? Yeah, okay, but you know where I'm coming from. We deserve the fires of hell, uh, and God withholds that. That's his mercy. Now, he's also rich in grace, rich in grace. And in verse 7, he says, um, he already said rich in grace, but in verse 7, he said, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. I love that term, immeasurable riches. He has riches. You think about rich in money. You know, immeasurable. Somebody has so much money you can't count it. Only God has that. I mean, people know how much money they have, right? <laughs> Amen? So much money. We're talking about grace. So much grace it can't even be. There's no term to explain how much it is other than it's unexplainable. And grace is... Is, is a little bit different. Mercy is withholding the punishment that is due. Grace is receiving a benefit that's not due. It's like a gift. It is a gift. And, you know, you could say we got both because the mercy is withholding the punishment, but we could, he could have gotten a different punishment. So he totally withheld the punishment and didn't give it, but he went beyond just withholding the punishment and gave us the gift of eternal life. He gave us the opportunity to breathe again, the uh, opportunity to live forevermore with him, and that's what his grace is, that's just part of what his grace is all about. So we ought to get excited. The church should not be asleep and silent when this, when we, when we see this and feel this and experience this and read this and know this and remember this, it should cause us, we should be, I should be having to ask people, please quiet down so I can finish. 
The results of this is that uh, quickly in verse 5 and 6, um, he changed our destiny by saving us from the wrath to come. Uh, first of all, in verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That's the first thing. And then by grace, you have been saved. He made us alive. We have been saved. Uh, then he says, and he raised us up. He saved, alive, saved, raised us up, seated with Christ. He says, you seated us with, seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ. Positionally, we're already there. It hasn't been manifest yet, but it is there. We are there in position already. And in, in, in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, not only do we have all that, we, he will show us even more and we will be able to experience and bask in his good, great love and grace forevermore. That's the results of that. So that transits us into the next point which is we are alive in Christ. So, uh, first of all, our, um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. And the results here are that we are alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. Whereas dead was separated from God's um, uh, uh, spirit, we are now alive and alive to his spirit. We can hear what he's saying. We can, we can sense him, smell and taste and feel everything spiritually. We have all those senses alive and alert to God now. And we can respond to his prompting. So first of all, I want to point out a couple of points here when we are alive in Christ. Number one, we are alive by his grace. We already talked about his grace, but it is by that grace again that we are alive. And I want to point out, notice that I got those highlighted in green and red. They're, they're parallel. First of all, it is by grace we have been saved, and it is the gift of God. The grace is the gift. The gift is the grace. We receive the gift of grace. Hallelujah. But look at the red. This is not your own doing. It is not a result of works. We get so mixed up. People all over have gotten so mixed up. Praise God. Hopefully we haven't gotten mixed up. That's the point. We're trying to preach to the church. But uh, you may be here and not know the Lord, and we'll talk to you in just a moment. But uh, it is not a result of works. Why not? So that no one can boast. That means only God can get the glory out of salvation. We can take no credit for it. Absolutely none. And I, I like to give this illustration. It's a baseball illustration, but you don't, thankfully, you don't have to understand baseball to get the illustration. I'm going to give a few people. I'm going to get three people. I'm going to get three volunteers. There's one, and uh, there's one. Yeah, no, no, just stay, stay in your seat. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to give you, and um, there's one. All three of you, I'm going to give you a baseball, and I'm going to have you go down to City Dock, and you're all going to stand beside each other one by one. You, you, you. Okay, you want to go too. You can go. I'll get four of them. And your goal is to throw the baseball and when you throw it, you're going to whip it, and you're going to aim really far north, and your goal is to hit the inner harbor of Baltimore. I got some takers here. They're going to try to work for their salvation. They're going to try to throw to Baltimore. The point is, is I don't care if you're a kid, a woman, an old lady, a man, a boy, a strong athlete, Simeon. I don't care who you are. <laughs> You're only going to get so far. You're not going to make church circle, let alone Baltimore and the Inner Harbor. That's, that's an illustration of what our work's trying to do. We're trying to show that we can do the impossible 
to gain God's favor, it cannot be done. Only Christ can step in. That's what I'm talking about. It is the gift of God, not by our works. We cannot do it. Amen. Praise God. Secondly, it is, not, it is by grace, it is through faith. We are alive through faith. Now get this, you have been saved through faith. But I left the red in there on purpose. Even though we have faith, it's still not of ourselves, not by works. Don't get mixed up and think, oh, well, my faith saved me. No, our faith is how we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's not by sight. It's by faith that we receive him. But he and he alone is responsible for our salvation. We just receive it by faith. Okay? And it is a gift. That's the third point. It is uh, we are alive through a gift, not through works. That's right there in verses 9 as well. Okay, and it's like if you get a, a, a gift of a watch, and I want to use this watch to tell time, I have to receive the gift. It's by faith I received it, but it's still a gift unless I worked for it. That's when it's, it's earned, but this is a gift, and so that's how I receive the gift is by faith, um, not through works. Also, we are alive for good works. Now, there's where the good works come in, verse 10. Uh, we're alive uh, for good works. Verse 10 um, we are alive to glorify God through these good works. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So putting the, trying to work for our salvation is proverbially putting the cart before the horse. It's not going anywhere. Okay, And uh, quite frankly, if we try to work for salvation... All we're going to do is work up, begin to work up our sweat before hell, so we'll already be sweating when, when we get to the fires because we're not going to get to heaven by trying to work. But rather, once we're saved, we were created for good works. It reminds me of when I was a kid, man. Uh, Christmas would come, and uh, I'm going to tell you what. I got gifts, and based on my performance that year, I don't think I deserve the gifts. Okay, I'm just saying, I really don't. I think, I, I think there should have been some coal in my stocking, but somehow Santa <laughs> always came through, right? He always did. But guess what? The day I got those gifts, man, I was the best kid. I already got the gifts. I'm so excited. It doesn't seem to work that way anymore, but it did. In my day, man, I was taking out trash. I was so happy. Yeah, Dad, I'll be happy to do that because I got my bike, man. I'm ready to go. You're going to ride your bike? Yeah, I'm going to ride my bike after I take out the trash. I was so happy and so grateful. It didn't last very long, by the way, um, but I was very grateful. And that's where our works come from. It's born out of our gratefulness from the Lord. He prepared beforehand the works that already were to do. We each have a purpose. We have a work, a goal. Every day we have works. Don't know what it is. Yours is different than mine. But if we're attuned to his spirit, the spirit of God gives us the work and he performs it through us as we're obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So that's what the good works is all about. And it glorifies him. That's when it's good works. When we're working for our salvation, it doesn't glorify anybody else. And we already got our own, um, our own reward. And like opposite, though, is he gets, the re he gets the glory. We get the joy out of working for him. Now, he will pour out his kindness in the future uh, as well. It said in verse 7 that in the, in the future, another result of that is that we will see immeasurable riches of grace. But I want to say that this is a pattern for every believer's testimony. This passage is a clear uh, indication of how we give our testimony. Verses two, 1 through 3, uh, I, how I was before Christ. 
Bert did. Thank you. Somebody's, somebody's listening. Hallelujah. And then our testimony, how I was, but God, and what, what Christ did for me, and now I'm, I'm alive to do thus and so. This is how God has changed me. That's our testimony. You heard Charlene give a testimony two weeks ago. It wasn't a salvation testimony, but she gave a testimony of something that's gone in her life. And she said, such and such was happening, but God stepped in and blah, 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 blah. And then the results were, that's a testimony. And each one of us should be at a point where we're willing to get and ready to give our testimony. He says in Revelation 12, 11, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb has already been shed once for all times, but our testimony continues. And every believer can give his or her testimony. I, I, I challenge you to go home when you can. Write down your own salvation testimony. We all have one salvation testimony if we're saved. We all have multiple testimonies of what God is doing in our life daily. But write down your testimony and put it in three paragraphs just for yourself. And write down what I was before God. Don't get too, too detailed. We don't want to know all the dirt. But, you know, just what I was before God. How, how I came to know God. What, but God. The second paragraph. And the third paragraph, how I am since God. And then practice reading it in front of the mirror when you're shaving or whatever you do. And, uh, you know, put it on those eyelashes or whatever you do. You know, share your testimony with yourself. Get, get, get comfortable with it and familiar with it. And then we overcome him by the word, blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. So I challenge you to do that. And uh, we're doing that even as we speak. So um, and then just continue to, to share your testimony. So that is the believer's testimony. Now, applying the word, how, do we, how can we apply this? Well, we can apply it in many ways, but the first thing I wanna say is ask a couple questions. Well, I want, that's how I wanna conclude, but uh, am I a child of God or a child of wrath? That's the first question. Because, you know, this, this sermon is assuming that people know the Lord, and this is our already testimony. But if you have not received Jesus Christ in your heart as your own Savior, it says today is the day of salvation. If you haven't done that, you don't have a testimony. And I encourage you, see one of the elders, see myself. We would love to, sh to share the plan of salvation with you even today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Even this afternoon is not guaranteed. What are we waiting for? And then like that, am I trying to earn my salvation through works? Is that where I am? And as believers, are we trying to re-earn our salvation through works? We can't do that. Do I remember to thank God for his gifts of mercy and grace? If we receive that, we've got to remember and give thanks often for that. Am I in fellowship with the local body or is my primary fellowship with the world? Hmm. Do I look for opportunities to share my testimony? I challenge you, I challenge me, all of us, look for opportunities to share what God's doing. We don't have to know scripture. We should know scripture. We should learn how to share the plan of salvation with people. But the first entry level of all that is what God's done for me. If it's the truth, we don't have to remember it. We only have to memorize lies or facts that we don't know. But if it's our story, we don't have to remember it. We just have to bring it back up. It's the truth. Do I look at my circumstances or do I remember but God? You know, I have all kinds of problems but God. My marriage is in shambles but God. 
My children are abandoning the faith, but God. My finances are torn up, but God. My friends have turned their backs on me, but God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but God. My fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. It's your story. My, this, my, fill in the blank, and end it with, but God. Hallelujah. Let's stand and pray. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your gift of salvation, for what you've done for us, for how you stepped into our hopeless situation, and how you entered when we didn't deserve it, spared us the fires of hell and destruction and wrath to come, and instead gave us the gift of salvation and life everlasting by the Crystal River on the streets of gold at the feet of Jesus with all the saints forever. Thank you for that. We want to thank you. Help us to remember to thank you often for that, Lord, and not take it for granted. And then to share that. Each day is one day closer to our last day that we won't be able to share our testimony. Help us to have the courage to open our mouths and share what you have done for us to a dying, lost generation who needs you desperately. And Lord, thank you. Help us to um, see our purpose in life, to, to go into the works that you have for us to do, that you may be glorified. Be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to uh, read the benediction and uh, receive the benediction of the Lord from Romans 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in the blessing and the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.